Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, a Hyundai i10 N-Line Special Edition. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. Okay, then. What's an i10 N-Line, then? So, those of you who have been... You all listen all the time anyway, so I shouldn't really have to go through this. This is for the new people. This is for the new people. Way back at the start of the year, Hyundai launched a new A-segment. That's the same kind of size as an up small hatchback called the i10, which is the previous two generations have been called the i10 as well. And this one's new from the ground up. And I went off to Portugal and I drove the 1 litre and the 1.2 litre versions out there. And there'll be a link. That's episode 319. There'll be a link in the show notes. Yes. Uh, as one does to that. So you can hear everything that I had to say about it in lots and lots of depth, uh, having driven it around Western Portugal. If you were trying out these vehicles not so long ago, particularly because it was the before times and now that mm. time means nothing anymore to anyone. I remember that. It involved airports and all sorts of lovely things. <laughs> Why have you tried it again so soon? Well, back then, I, I came along. If you have the too long didn't listen version for that last one, then it was a nice hatchback. I quite liked it. It feels far more grown up than you'd expect an A-segment hatch to feel. But it wasn't exactly going to pull the skin off a rice pudding. Okay. Top output there in the 1.2 was 84 brake horsepower you were significantly less for the i think you were 60 something uh for the one liter and it's little triple so why this is this is interesting to me partly because i like small hatchbacks but also because whenever they come along and they stick a turbocharger on the one liter and say this is now the 100 horsepower version nice round number which is the same as an up gti nice <laughs> 100 ps then i go oh that's interesting i like the sound of that because the biggest issue with the other models in the range are that they are they can barely get out of their own way okay Dick. and i wanted to see what this was like uh, now up to 100 of the metric horses is quite a jump compared yes, to the rest it is of... significant yes it's not just oh we've introduced one which has these slightly sporty looks and sort of tried to take some some cues from the uh from the i30n uh, but it only has 87 horsepower then you go all right okay so it's a slightly frillier version it's it's if anything it's going to be slightly slower it doesn't really matter i mean percentage wise it's quite a it's quite a jump. It's a fair jump, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, over the rest of the range. So that's what made me interested in it. Also, I quite wanted to try it around here on roads I knew and stuff because I'd never visited Portugal before, despite the fact it's a, it's a regular place for motoring journalists to, to, to go and visit. I hadn't actually been. Okay. So what, what, have they, what have they done? Have they just Have they just chucked in a turbocharger or have they done anything else to this? There are tweaks. There's tweaks to the brakes, uh, tweaks to the suspension as well. So they've done stuff like uh, they've changed the rates for the rear shock absorbers. Uh, they've they've done other bits and pieces, lots of little tiny things. So things have been upgraded in relation to that around the rest of the car? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. So it, it's not just a all the same but add quite a chunk more power yeah they have tweaked other bits you know uh re spring rates shock absorber rebound these kind of fun things which are in no way shape or form the kind of nerdy things that we mention no no i know it's very rare for us to ask even this question so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it costs sixteen thousand one hundred and ninety five pounds 
it's this is the only spec you can get the 100 horsepower engine in the rest of the range goes from less than that to more than that okay it's not quite top of the range you can get it in four different well you can get it in three colors plus white so polar white is included color tax of 550 pounds is applied to dragon red phantom black and slate blue the dragon red looks nice yes it is a very nice color slate blue is the blue color from the i30n mm-hmm. and white is white and black is metallic black okay uh, you can in theory order a contrasting colored roof it's 500 pounds extra on each color how much 500 pounds wow okay if you want a contrasting roof on polar white it's black if you want it on phantom black it's red and if you want it on slate blue or dragon red it's black as well don't bother the only other option there is is the thousand pound tech pack it adds built-in navigation uh, along with the standard carplay and android okay it adds intelligent speed limit warning and it adds blue link remote access for staff so you can check that you've turned the lights off or check that you've locked it and all these kind of things from your telephone also adds a wireless charging g charging pad mm-hmm. down in front of the gear stick which is just a convenient bucket for stuff otherwise that's quite a bit of tech for an a segment vehicle i mean this adds to your yeah but your i don't original... think it's very much for a thousand pounds no I'm, well no I, I i agree with you on that but to have that available anyway adds to that whole grown-up feel that you mentioned in the uh, in the previous episode yes absolutely i think tech pack was was fitted to those or, or they were i think the one i had the 1.2 that i did most of the driving in was high enough spec that uh, that everything but blue link i think was built in in that one okay from memory All right. do please go back and check um, did your car have the tech pack no okay it wasn't even on the press car. That, that wow. to me, that's all you need to know. You don't. If it's not on the press car, you generally don't need it. If it is on the press car, you probably don't need it. Yes, is is my way of thinking of these things. But but given that those are the you know your your colours and your uh, and the tech pack are the only two factory fit options, there you are. Really, mm-hmm. the outside, uh, uh, which is where we normally start, it's. I think one of the things that still impresses me about the i10 is that it's an A-class vehicle that, that doesn't really look like an upturned yogurt pot. <laughs> it's, it's actually quite curvy. Now, generally, they're, they're pretty squared off. Yeah. And, and a bit monospas is the French, the one box okay. type setup. MPV-ish with a tiny little bonnet and lots of cabin. The exceptions to this are things like the, the Fiat 500, which only has three doors. Yeah, and really has no rear legroom that's worth writing home about. But stuff like you know the Igo, the one hundred and seven, the C one, which of course are all the same vehicle, and the Up City Go and Me, which are of course all the same vehicle. Uh, then they do have that sort of absolute squareness and economy of line and frill and just about anything on them. Mm-hmm. And this sort of avoids that by do by looking like someone has has put a grown up hatchback into the boil wash, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at the pictures that you've shared, and 
there's actually lines that are leading places and going mm-hmm. from places to other places. It looks like they've p- properly paid it attention and given it some time and thought. Yeah, they have. And when people go back and listen to the special edition from earlier in the year, then when I was chatting to the chap from Shunday Europe, we, we had quite a chat about that and about the thought that had gone into that and actually that the, the sculpting meant that they could do other things with the metal so that by putting in the compound curves it meant they could actually it was actually stronger and tougher and and all these kind of things as well as you know giving you sensuous flow from the thing from the blah to the blah you know and and all that kind of stuff so there's a lot of thinking in it to make it that way it's it's not just happened by accident as you'd imagine with Hyundai yeah as I said before the the other thing that I do like about the i10 is the is the sort of surfacing and texturing details stuff like all the little hexagons all over the place are kind of cool and they're really quite fitting on a on a sportier model as well mm. but the n line has quite a few quite significant changes so it's got its own front grill okay. for a start which is a different pattern from the others it's gloss black it's got a built-in special n line drls it's got its own little five spoke 16 inch alloys it's got inline badging on the front wings i know i know i know it also has two chromed exhaust tips which i thought was kind of funny it has a two to three tip to cylinder ratio which i thought was quite good i thought like, i was trying to work out what I had better and the only one i could think of was the three exhausts on the civic type r having a three quarters ratio because i couldn't i couldn't think of anything else that had three exhaust pipes per um and even then, the middle one, to be honest, on Civic Type R isn't an exhaust pipe, is it? It's, a, it's a something else. But yeah, I thought that was kind of, that was quite ambitious. <laughs> it's also got red stripes in the front and rear bump, uh, bumpers above yeah. the sort of plastic bits at the very bottom. They're not obvious on the Dragon Red one that I had. They are more obvious on other colors. Okay. Which brings me, yeah, there are a couple of things about the outside, which I think they irritated me a little bit. Because, and, and we'll come to this when we talk about the, the driving, and, also, and and I'll repeat it again a little bit, but not so much on the interior, is that the outside of this is a very grown-up looking little car. Right. And it's available in grown-up colors. So Dragon Red is a really nice color. I don't think they should offer it on this car. I think the color palette is too muted, I think it should be a bit more fun. So complex texturing and everything is good, but I think that too much of the intent of this car is hidden by it looking by the the colors and these kind of things being too close to those that Auntie Jean might choose to drive a a one liter to the church each week. Similarly, the alloy wheels. Okay, there's nothing particularly wrong with the alloy wheels. They there's a butt coming, everyone. <laughs> there's no, but they're they're black, and then the diamond cut through to silver, and they're incredibly fussy. And I think that the car would be better served with something that is simpler and in a solid color. I think the sportness, sportiness is masked by too many th- things that are just a bit too anti-Macassar. 
a bit too frilly and and just there and and i wish it didn't have that i wish it was a bit more fun on the outside well it's only got one competitor in the market what, the up gtr yeah yeah and that's quite sensible there's a difference and that's why but it's not fussy no. I think it's the fussiness that gets me. There's quite a lot of thought has gone into this. I mean, the thing is that why From you or Hyundai? From <laughs> me on this one. This, one, this is I the know. one... Yeah. This is my substitute for the, the complaint about something misplaced on the dashboard type grumble that always has to be in every car review ever. But I, I feel that it's too fussy and, and I feel that the colours are too grown up. You know, there's other colours in the the range which are like champion blue and tomato red, and th- those are their names, and they're much more suited to that sort of bold primary coloured look. I'm a fun car mm-hmm. type thing than the dragon red's lovely. It's really nice, but it's a bit sophisticated for what you're trying to sell on fun. But who's this car going to be aimed at? That's it. You see, everyone's just going to go to the up GTI. Because it is fun and it's available in bright red and white and black and bright blue. I think it's in bright blue. As opposed to, you know, these more these more muted cars. And you know what it is. Whereas this, it doesn't stand out from other I-10s. So if it's somebody's first car or second car, probably. Because hmm. that's what I'm thinking. It's not, it's not going to be somebody's first car. Generally. No, it's not not generally not. Not no. at that price, no, even with the grand. Month, because the insurance. Yeah, but then even then the insurance isn't going to be that high because it's an I ten. I think it just needs to be a bit more You want to have the option for some for someone to express their individuality a bit more with some funnerer colours. Yeah, and I think that that's most of it. That and the fact that the wheels are quite fussy as well. God, you'd have to spend hours with a toothbrush cleaning them. Yeah, I know. Well, that has something to do with it because you know what I'm like with wheels. <laughs> but that's so that's it. I mean, I, I like the thing is, I like it. I just want it to show that it's more fun, advertise itself a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Because I think that they're going to be missing a market if they don't. Okay. So, what's the inside like then? Well, like the ones at the start of the year, it is a cut above pretty much the rest of the A segment, as far as I'm concerned. It's spacious. You've got the funky hexagons inside as well as out. Oh, good. <laughs> All sorts of places. I like that. There's plenty of boot space, again, as ever, for shopping, for a couple of suit, small suitcases, weekend. I mean, you're not going to take it on holiday with four people for a fortnight. You're going to be, it's going to be a bit squashed there because it's an A-segment car. But it's, you know, there's loads of room for a week shopping, even for I think even for you guys will fit in there quite easily. Mm-hmm. And uh, the back is fine. Underneath, there's there's no spare wheel. There is a compressor and some goop. Uh, but that also means that some space around the compressor and the goop uh, that you can you can use for keeping, you know, emergency jackets and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm, surely I'm not the only person who keeps an emergency jacket. You know, I, can, I can see wellies can go in that space as well easily. Aye, that kind of thing. And it's, you know, it's not going to drop dirt or anything yeah. uh, on, on that, that rear shelf. There is one thing, and this I found before, and so I was aware of it. There's no string that lifts the rear parcel shelf. It's a solid rear parcel shelf. It's a quality piece of kit, but there's nothing that lifts it when you open the boot. 
Oh dear. Which isn't a problem. Lifting it when you open the boot, not a big deal. It's where you've had to flick it up to put cases or bags in. You close the boot, you go around, you get in the car, you say, go to, go to move <laughs> off, you look at your rearview mirror, and it's up, blocking the whole thing. And it's like, Rawr. so then you have to get out the car, round the back, open the boot, flap the thing down, shut the boot again. And it's just like, after the first couple of times, you're like, bloody hell. <laughs> it's not as if it's a security issue or anything like that because you've got privacy tints small town drug dealer tints in the back of this Starter. and uh, yes <laughs> just try, imagine what can it'd be very hard to drug dealer to take, take you sensibly from the back of a back of a, an i10 yeah not the market they're aiming for anyway so we're all right it's not really no I mean, it should be just fine I, I do not imagine that's going to be an issue at all it's just kind of kind of amusing it's it's fine it's actually got a decent size of boot Back seats are two plus a skinny person. Okay. Are actually three seat belts. That's rare in that segment. I know, exactly. Doors open wide, so access is easy enough. Um, you know, the door aperture is big enough, particularly down at sort of foot level, because that, that can be a challenge with A-segment cars sometimes. You don't really want to be in the middle for long journeys, but then you're never really going to have someone in the middle for long journeys, you hope. No. There's headrests for all three. You do have to lift them to get comfortable, otherwise they're sort of just this knob in the middle of your back. Mm-hmm. That's that's the back. There's not really much else to say about the back seats. Front seats, uh, they're pretty smart. All the seats are grey and black with red stitching, so that sort of brightens them up a bit. Mm. A slightly jazzier cloth in the middle wouldn't go amiss. Yeah, Talking about the up GTI, it has it has that check pattern, something like that, just to, again, be a little bit more... Yeah, I was going to say, it looks sensible in the pictures. Now, I'm going to be honest, the, the pictures I don't think do it justice. When I went back and I looked at them again, I thought, oh, that makes it look really dull. And it wasn't really dull inside. I think that that's... No, no, but, I, but it, it echoes the sort of grown-upness that you've talked about. There is a lot of that, yeah. Yeah, I think just a, a, a sli- just doesn't have to be. You know, I'm not looking for Jackson Pollock or something, or or that sort of French cars from late nineties. <laughs> yeah, or Japanese cars from the early from from the similar period. You know, the sort of violet puke that the, the, the inside of the the, the, the Vaircross seats seats were the proper Vaircross seats were. But no, just just something that's a bit more, even a, a check or something like that, just to lighten it a bit yeah brighten it a, li- a little bit bit there uh, yeah i mean it's it's cool the, the you know the dials they have they have tweaked those so there's a checker pattern to the center of the of the dials and there's red needles and there's red surrounds to the air vents and uh, and stuff like that and the gear knob is the same shape as as the one in the the i30n the steering wheel again really nice leather cover it's got a little n-line badge at the bottom on on the bottom spoke it feels lovely it feels really really nice in the hand actually all the 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 surfaces that you touch feel great they're all well positioned and they're a little bit snazzier than you'd expect from standard mm-hmm. so in places like that and and in the dials then they they have actually made them that little bit more attractive that little reminder that hey i bought the faster one <laughs> so i don't really need to, to to go into that too much again the dash it goes right the way across so you don't have the sort of ipad abandoned in the middle of the the dashboard type look and feel it's it's integrated in with the dials all right yeah curiously i spoke to a couple of people or at least one person who said that they preferred the 
screen separate to the dials because it was a bit less grown up and it, it made it seem more like a small car but that person i think was in the minority i, I quite like the way it is I, I like the dials and then the the screen and it all looking like it's it's been designed to be there rather than slapped on afterwards because someone in marketing said oh we must have a screen it's a bit more premium to it that it's it's been it thought is. of from the very start it is it is and it's a nice it's a nice premium uh, i'm going to go back to the hexagons again by the way well there are one or two around there are one or two yeah totally so the, the, so they're quite good they do sort of lift with that texture they do kind of lift some of the the areas which would otherwise be hard plastics um <laughs> Which, of course, everybody's going to have their hands on oh, so, all the So they're all the gripping areas then, yes, of course. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> But no, they're there and they're funky. What I really liked were so the alloy pedals. Again, it's one of the touch points. There's thoughts gone into it. It's cool. It's funky. It's what I think is missing on the outside. They're little kind of half hexagon rubber grips on the alloy pedals, and it's just tidy. I just really liked it. <laughs> it made me smile when I noticed it. I just thought it was really cool. And, and I think that's one of the things that made me think, I wish there was more of this. Yeah. Worth mentioning, by the way, there's a glove box and a croissant cubby Ooh. in front of the passenger. And it's a usable size of croissant cubby. Okay. Sorry, this is ongoing because I still haven't worked out what the silly little shelf in the GRMN is actually meant for, other than <laughs> two thirds of a baguette. <laughs> As I said, yes, some plastics are a little hard because it's an A-segment hatchback and that's what you have to do to make an A-segment hatchback affordable. And you're not sitting around touching them all the time. Okay, okay. We've we've dealt with the grown-upness and the slightly mm. little bit too seriousness about it all. Mm. The main thing we want to know, though, is does this massive percentage jump in power, <laughs> in relative terms... How does that affect the driving? Uh, very well indeed. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you have a silly grin on your face going around your little well-known back roads? All the way around. Excellent. It's absolute hoot, okay? It's not particularly fast on paper. So a completely different experience than what you had in Portugal. No, um, I wouldn't say a completely different experience because I knew that the potential was there in Portugal. I just wished it could fulfill it. There was so much more capability than there was power. Okay. And in this, I think it's made a huge, huge difference. It's not that fast on paper. It's not to 62 in 10 and a half seconds. It's a 115 mile an hour top speed. But, you know, when was the last time any of us drove at 115 miles an hour on public highway? And it feels quite sprightly. Now, weirdly, it's only a five-speed gearbox. The reason for that, covered in the last one, by the way, is because that leaves space for the automated manual bit to go on the side, and that's why it's it's that. So it's the same size. So there wasn't room for a six-speed. And the gears are quite long, but, I mean, third is good for 70. Nice. Uh, and it's comfortably good for 70 and the thing is that the torque curve of this this uh, i haven't you know i haven't seen a graph it or anything it must be like a flipping tabletop <laughs> because i mean it's not that much i mean the torque's not that much it's 172 newton meters which is you know decent enough for 100 brake horsepower one liter engine but it's just always there so you can stick it in third and you can attack your favorite back road 
And it's one of these times where it's a little quite light car, so they've managed to have plenty of compliance in the suspension. Mm. So you don't get every little jiggle that's <laughs> going on. It it rolls quite a bit, but it's predictable. And it's the body roll, really, that stops you being a moron, because the body roll comes before the tyres lose grip, even in, even in sort of moderate damp. But you, you row it back and forth between second and third or third and fourth, and you can have an absolutely great time in this. And you're still only hitting 60, mm. but you're doing it with a grin. It, again, it goes where you point it. There's no nasty surprises. It really doesn't understeer. You know, I, I practically, I don't think I ever got the front tires to lose grip. And it was me on the roads that I know around here, mm. which are, are perfect for a small car like this. So it was, there were a couple of times when I looked down and went, oh, I'm going quicker than I thought. It was a lot of fun, and this is why this is why I make such a big deal about the exterior and the, to a lesser extent, the interior is because it's a load of fun for a small hatchback. It really is, and it's accessible. That fun is accessible at legal speeds. Hmm. You know, I, I had this the week I, and not just that, by the way. I should also explain that despite only having five gears, the gears are very long. So even when I did make sure I, I went out and I got in got in a, a few miles of motorway. In fifth, even climbing hills and stuff, it was quite happy in fifth. And this, that was something which really, even the 1.2 had struggled with in Portugal, was climbing hills. Yeah. So it was something that was very much in my mind. It was something I wanted to check. Can it hold speed on the motorway? And yes, yes, it can. I had this over the week that, that I trundled down to the GI Yaris launch. Mm -hmm. And had I been sensible, I would have taken this. But of course, given what it was I was taking, I wanted to take my own. Well, I was going to drive, I wanted to take my own car. So I had a complete back-to-back -back stepping from one into the other comparison. Uh, so I didn't. And the cruise control, I should have set the cruise control in this, driven down, and it would have been absolutely no bother at all. To be honest, given the drive, the time of the day, they would have made no difference whether I was in this or the GRMN, but this would have been more comfortable mm. and more relaxing because I wasn't having to keep a very close eye on my speed and stuff. So incredibly flexible. I wouldn't be bothered if someone said, yeah, you've got to take that and you, you've got to take an, uh, an I-10N line and yeah, we'll meet you in Glasgow. Wouldn't bother me. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't bother me. Quite, yeah, no problem. So I think it's really, really good that such a small car built, obviously, to a budget and available at that price is so capable across the board. Now, obviously, there are better handling cars. It's never going to get into the auto cars 10 best or whatever, or any, you know, Evo car of the year type thing. <laughs> You're never going to have a Hyundai i10 in like that. But it's a lot of laughs, and it will leave you with a massive grin on your face at legal speeds. And in this day and age, you can't really talk that, that down too much. No. And it costs half a GR Yaris. And you start to think, well, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, for, for most people, most of the time, this is, this is more than enough. I mean, it's not a GR Yaris, obviously, but, but, there's, but there's more than half the fun there. Definitely more than half the fun mm -hmm. to be had on the road. I feel I should drop in some caveats there too, but, you know, <laughs> it's pretty cool. So what did you do uh, miles per gallon and all that sort of stuff? Oh, uh, well, 
Well, that was the week that lockdown was introduced as well. And then I chose to not take it on the long journey that I was going to do. Yeah. So I didn't, I was a bit of a one tank wonder. I didn't cover a huge number of miles in it. Can you hear all the caveats coming <laughs> here? <laughs> Motoring journalist excuses coming out. <laughs> WJLTB com- combined is 52.3 miles per gallon. I got 39.2 and I can't blame the car entirely because that was not a fair comparison to even WLTP combined. The so low are, you, phase, are you saying that you didn't put it up against the WLTP, I'm going to rag it around my local roads and see what I can do with it? You didn't put sadly, it against that, that there is no WLTP. There is no WLTP scragging it. Oh, option okay. available okay. um the low phase is the closest you get and that was 41.5 so compared to that situation it wasn't so bad please you will be able to get better economy than that if i'd been in a position to cover more miles do more motorway and yeah. stuff then i have no hesitation in my mind that it would have done much much better if, if i'd taken it down to crawling back I, if i wasn't in the mid 40 about 44 i would imagine i would have been very surprised yeah okay uh, at least that so it was not being driven anything like you just can't compare it okay. that's what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah yeah so yeah fair enough you can easily you should be able to easily get 260 miles out of, out of a tank at least at least cool technology then there's nothing stand out yeah it's got all the usual stuff, uh, all the Euro-mandated active safety kits, so lane-keeping assist, call SOS button, uh, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing about the lane-keeping assist is you do have to press the button for six seconds. Is it six seconds? No, it, sorry, it's the GR Yaris, it's six seconds. You do have to press the button for a couple of seconds, and it reverts to being on every time you turn it back on again. Oof, okay. Because that's how that's a policy thing, makes isn't you it? Yeah. makes you do it. Yeah, that's nothing to do with Hyundai. Yeah, it's because it's a new model introduced after that time. All the manufacturers are having to do that. That's just standard, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got cruise control. It's got reversing camera, CarPlay, Android Auto, and this. Remember, no tech pack. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, but cruise control, lane keeping assist. That that's still. That takes a load of fatigue away on long journeys. Yeah. But that that's it as far as technology goes. I mean, of course, it's, you know, it's got a, it's a one litre with a funky scroll turbo and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, but there's, there's not really much to say on that. Sorry. Okay, then. Well, that um, that takes us to the... So, Alan, what's your verdict? <laughs> I really like it. My worry, and and I'm, you know, uh, mod it, whatever. Um, I was really impressed by how good an all-rounder it was. It, like, filled in my one criticism from the the i10 at launch, uh, which was skin, rice pudding. It's just going to stay there. I really, really liked it. As I say, no problem doing long journeys in it. A lot of fun on public roads at legal speeds. There was a lot of smiling, a lot of grinning, and a couple of out loud chuckles. Um, and and in know, this I year, like we'll take hats. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And my one worry is that nobody's going to buy it, and they're not going to buy it because they don't know it exists, and they're going to go straight to the up GTI mm. 
because they're not going to give it a second glance. And I, I wish some aspects of the outside were less fussy. Uh, I wish it was available in funkier colors. I mean, I like the colors. It's there. It's in. I just don't think they're funky enough for the right market. Just add two or three more sort of more exuberant yeah. ones for those who don't want to, those who aren't <laughs> wallflowers. Yeah. And, you know, if you and I want to, to lend us one on, on a longer term and, and, and help us with a, a pimp my eye 10 to show what could be done, then uh, totally up for that. Anyone who might be listening. Yep. Sounds good. Sounds a good plan, that. Um, yeah, I thought that was quite a good one, that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that's, yeah, so that's about, about it. The uh, Hyundai i10 N-Line, uh, which really the verdict is, do give it a look. Do be aware of it. And do recommend it to others because it's it's cracking. It's just not as funky to look at as about the only competition it has, which is the, the Up GTI. As far as this show goes, don't forget to do now and next time. You can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget to leave a, rev- a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Now, and if people would like to pick your brain a bit more about the i10 N-Line, what is the best way for them to do that personally? Best way, uh, like yourself, is Twitter, where I'm at H-A-P Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We'll be back before very long. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring. <laughs>